Season three, ladies and gentlemen, of Chewing the Gristle is upon us. We've got a bunch of great guests lined up. We're going to let the good times roll. Are you ready to pound the gristle? We ride. Brought to you by our good friends at Wildwood Guitars in beautiful Louisville, Colorado, and Fishman Transducers of beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you just got to chew that gristle. This week on Chewing the Gristle, an old pal of mine, a magnificent guitar player hailing from Chicago, Illinois. Blues, jazz, roots, ragtime, the mighty Joel Patterson. Let us converse and chew the doggone gristle. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have assembled ourselves once again for another installment of Chewing the Gristle with yours truly, Gregory Cockery. I'm here with Joel Patterson, an old friend, a potentate of all things Roots Guitar, hailing now from the windy city of Chicago, Illinois. Joel, how the hell are you? Greg, how you doing? Uh, let me see, how the hell am I? That wasn't on your list of questions, you've facts over to me <laughs> yeah they were all very specific i'm not prepared for that uh i think i'm all right you're looking good you're still alive you you still reside in wisconsin i do indeed i'm in uh, in wauwatosa chronic wauwatosa as it's known in the uh in the breath community uh, I've, uh, I've been to i've been to wisconsin last time i think i've seen you was at cream city music not too far away from my homestead as a matter of fact and you were in there tickling some guitars as we as we will do. Well, don't blow my cover. I like to go incognito those guitar stores. Yes, yes. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I we first met each other when you were playing with uh, Jim Leiben many yarns ago now. I think this would be in the 90s, if, am I correct? If I'm, my synapses yeah, are working well, correctly. Yeah, I, I started playing with Jim, who, uh, you're great. That's the first time everybody's interviewed me that pronounced his name right. I know you know Jim. yes. He's a hero of mine, harmonica legend, Milwaukee blues legend, encyclopedia of uh, harmonica licks and guitar licks on the harmonica. It's amazing. He knows all the Freddie King solos on harmonica, right? which uh, always amazed me. But uh, yeah, I started playing with him, I think, in the early to mid-90s, and I lived in Madison, my hometown, and I would commute to Milwaukee to play on the vibrant uh, Milwaukee blues scene. Yes. Play all the clubs. Speaking of Wawatosa, I think we played something called Tosa Fest, right? Did you still right have down that? the damn streets. That is I correct. mean, nothing happens anymore, but to I think you, you correctly correctly pronounced Tosa. Tosa Fest. Yeah, down there at Tosa. We just played Tosa Fest this last uh, September. I was uh, uh, I was not happening. sure it was I was not sure it was going to happen due to the pestilence, but it did indeed happen. And uh and it's fun. You know, it's just right down the damn street and a bunch of people I know from back in the day. It's kind of a weird thing. I I grew up in Wauwatosa. I've I ventured out, and then when it came time to, you know, uh, reproduce and worrying about schools and all that kind of stuff, I was like, you know, I kind of grew up in Tosa. Was like the Wonder Years. I think I'll I'll think I'll move back here. And everything I've done career wise, I've been able to go from here. But it's just it is kind of weird living in your hometown. Sounds good. I'm gonna move in. You got any room for me? I'm yeah, looking come for on a, over. I'm looking for a basement. I hear you got some guitars to. Pick on, but uh, yeah, I think I met you. I must have been around that time playing with Leiben. I didn't 
since we're both guitar players, nobody hired the both of us to play together. That's right. And uh, so they never do that. So, um, but, but uh, I, did, I didn't I did. know much about you. You were just this guy that was kind of like unbelievable at guitar and um, was taller than me. So I resented everything about you. I- <laughs> you know, I remember you ended up buying a guitar. I think Dave Cassick facilitated it, but you bought a, a 335 from me. You got a better memory than me, and I totally forgot about that. But uh, this is a funny story. During one of those endless pandemic projects where we go through our entire lives and go through everything. And I decided I'm going to shred everything I own. Uh, I'm not talking about guitar shredding, but, um, I, uh, dug through all these old checkbooks and receipts and I wrote, and I totally forgot about this. I wrote you a check, one of those old fashioned checks, uh, for a 82 dot neck reissue. That's correct. It's one of my first kind of real guitars. And I just completely forgot about that because that became you know, trade bait in an endless amount of terrible trades I've made in my life. And, uh, but I played some blues gigs with that back in the day. And then I can't remember what I tried to turn that into. Uh, I was like, Oh, I, I want to get, I want to turn this into a vintage guitar. But of course now that is a vintage guitar. So uh, yeah, that was a damn fine guitar. I wish I had that laying around, you know, it's funny how back then we were so picky about everything. And now if anybody will take anything vintage they can get their hands on. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I had a, um, when I was, uh, Sophomore in high school, I bought, or no, fret, no, junior in high school. Well, anywhere, in high school, somewhere, I bought a uh, a reissue 335. And um, it was a it was a blonde dot neck. And uh, I think it was the summer of my, yeah, of June of my of my junior year, because I had gone to this jazz camp and uh, I, I played a telly at the time, and I kind of, you know, I did my blues thing, a little bit of chicken pig, a little bit of jazz stuff, and and when I got there, like, you know, the guy was really cool who was running the jazz program. Cause you know, a lot of those experiences that we've all had over the years, when we delve into the jazz realm, they're like, unless you're playing like an ES 175 with flat yeah. strings through a polytone amp, you're a heretic. Right. Right. But, but, he, but he was very well, Did cool. you tell him that you were a heretic? I mean, well, of course I said, I got, business card? I, I've got the six, the three sixes to prove it. And, uh, born in the sixth month of 1966. Wait a minute. So um, he played me some Robin Ford and some Larry Carlton. And I'm like, this guy, you know, they used 335s. I'm like, oh. And then yeah. there was another guy at the camp that played a 335, and he always wanted to play a telly. So we kind of swapped guitars uh, for, a, for a few days. And uh, so I saved up my buddy, and I bought that 335. And then it got stolen. Uh, it was interesting because um, you'll remember Steve Cohen and the gang, Leroy Airmaster yeah. from, from this area. And they were playing up in Minneapolis. And I had a gig earlier that night with the Lamont Cranston band, as a matter of fact. So I played with Lamont Cranston, then went over to uh, to uh, Bunkers, where Steve Cohen and the gang were playing. And then they all adjourned back to my apartment for a late night soiree. And I stupidly left my gear in the car. I was a little I was a little croisoned, to be honest with you. There was a little bit of a buzz factor. I think the statute of limitations, you know, from the law will probably allow me to say that without ramifications. But uh, my stuff got stolen out of the car. So I had well, that, that uh, 335 was gone. I'll so, keep an eye out for it. Well, please do. But that guitar that I ended up selling you was a guitar I got as kind of a, a replacement. It was just one of those things. You ever get that where you you try to replace the one that got away with one that's similar and it just story never of my life. I'm chasing that high uh, for yeah 30 years here of that first guitar. But um, now I know how you remember all those licks. You remember everything. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> I tried to make the 90s a blur uh, to me, but I have good good memories of playing around Milwaukee and hanging out with you guys. That was a great way to. 
get my start and pay my dues all at the same time. And, uh, but I decided to move to Chicago, uh, uh, to play with some different pool of musicians and, uh, play more and I'm playing all exactly all the same gigs I played 20 years ago. So, well, how did you get into the kind of music that you're into? Cause we're both about the same age. So most of the people that are our age, just by, you know, generational standards, uh, are into, you know, metal or, or punk or, you know, new wave or whatever. You mean back in the day? Did. Because yeah, like now everybody, because of YouTube and the internet seems to know about everything. But that's true. Everybody's yeah. educated about everything. Everybody, uh, all kinds of music are accepted. But you remember back in the day, I mean, you liked your kind of music and you stuck with it. And, you know, you know, punk rock could not mix with heavy metal back then. And, and nobody, you know. Right. It was, uh, and I, I was kind of like, I just remember the 80s being very, like, I was really into, you know, punk in the early 80s. Uh, I'd go see a little punk bands that came through and played the community center in my neighborhood, you know, and cause that was something different. And back then it was super underground, you know? Right. And then, uh, I've told the story before and it was kind of like one of those, uh, lightning bolt moments where my mom had uh, kind of a cool record collection. She had some old, you know, folky and uh, blues hippie record collection. And I put on this lightning Hopkins record of hers and, still have that record and it was just kind of like blown away by how weird and cool this music was. I didn't know what it was. I mean, I'd kind of heard of blues, but this was like the real thing and it blew me away. And that's right when I wanted to start playing guitar because when I was into punk rock, I wanted to play drums. So I had this like set of Tupperware uh, that I'd set up on the sofa, like a little drum set and play, you know, what is zero, you know, so that's what I was doing. And then I did a 180 and I wanted to play guitar because this Lightning Hopkins record. And when I was young, I used to like dance around pretending I was Jimi Hendrix, even though I didn't have a guitar. And I felt like I kind of already knew what I was doing when I finally borrowed a guitar from somebody. And then I basically learned to play from that Lightning Hopkins record by ear, which means I played blues and E. That's That was my specialty and maybe A. And then I got into Robert Johnson and... B-Side Records, which is this cool record store in Madison that's still there. I can't believe it's still there. How did they survive all these years? Um, they had a little blue blues section, and I realized they had there was this label called Yazoo Records, and like anything Yazoo they got in that was on Yazoo, I grabbed and I loved because it was so weird and mysterious. And I used to read those liner notes, and so I think I'm kind of I were lucky in a way we came from that era because back then you'd buy a record and you'd study the hell out of it and you'd study every word on the liner notes and you'd play it over and over again. Now you skip around on YouTube, you listen to 30 seconds of a song and your brain is just inundated with every style of music from every era from but you know back then you really dug deep and I I don't know if I could even play guitar if I grew up now. I think I would lose my mind but uh, Oh wait, I did lose my mind a long time ago but <laughs> I'm trying to tell you the story of me losing my mind. But anyway, so I, that was how I got my start playing that because back then it's hard to imagine the blues was weird, different, and it had nothing to do with eighties pop culture, which I was as a teenager, definitely rejected all forms of eighties pop culture because now people look back finally, like it was pretty romantic and weird to look back in the eighties. But you remember the days of MTV. I mean, MTV never actually played any cool eighties stuff that they, you know, it was all just, Nothing but Poison and Michael Jackson, you know, 24 hours a day. Right. Exactly. But, uh, so that's how I got into blues. And I was kind of, 
a staunch blues purist, which always kind of got me in trouble because it just took me a long time to, to not get out of that mindset, you know, <clears throat> but, um, so when did anyway. you start, when did the, uh, when did the Merle and the, and the chat stuff start creeping in? I, you know, that's just like, I have a thing where I constantly have to be learning something new or I go crazy. And I don't know if that's a good thing because I can't remember anything I've, you know, 90% of the stuff I practice, but it's just kind of what I do. I, I like to feel like I accomplish something every day by just learning a little something. So I always had that, even though I was so obsessed with the blues and being, you know, true to the real blues history. Like I had this thing where I was always trying to learn new stuff and uh, boy, I think really what, how that happened. Uh, Cause I don't really separate styles of music in my head. Like most people do. Like I, it's kind of a curse of mine. I'm like all over the place, but I learned blind. I was obsessed with Blind Blake. Right. After I got like Lightning Hopkins and Robert Johnson under me, I wanted something more challenging. And Blind Blake to me was the ultimate. Right. So I would transcribe. I put those Yazoo Blind Blake records on cassette tapes and try to transcribe the little thumb, alternate thumb style. So I taught myself alternate thumb before I even knew what that was or what it was called or anything about it. I didn't know anybody did it, but I played the Blind Blake. C alternate bass and ragtime and G. And so I, I already had that and I moved to Chicago and I kind of played with some rockabilly bands. I didn't know what rockabilly was. I just was kind of in my own world. I didn't know there was a scene for that. This is like 98 and I played in rockabilly bands and it seemed appropriate for me to just, I mean, I, of course I heard Elvis in the sun sessions and it's like, well, I can play that. He's just playing blind Blake, you know? So it seemed appropriate to me to just play fingerstyle Blind Blake licks on top of and people are like, boy, you're a great rockabilly guitar player. And I'm like, you know, this is really, <laughs> this is Mississippi John Hurd, this is Blind Blake. And if you think about it, that's exactly what basically Scotty Moore was doing, but from another angle. He was playing Chet Atkins on top of blues. And I was playing blues on top of rockabilly that was filtered through Blind Blake. It's all kind of turned out to be the same thing. But then it was a natural thing for me to get into Merle Travis. That was the next big thing where I was like, whoa, this is Merle Travis. He's playing Blind Blake, but taking it to this like new level. And he's playing a little bit of jazz standards, which I was just starting to dabble with chord changes, trying to, you know, still dabbling in chord changes. But um, so I got into Merle Travis like big time. And he was probably my one big finger style uh, hero until the last, I would say five years ago, you know, I, or maybe more, I've been a lot, been trying to learn a lot of Chet Atkins, but, uh, and then I've given up learning everybody right now. And I'm just kind of like trying to f figure out my own way to harmonize jazz standards and finger style. So I don't know. What was the question? Uh, I think, I think we got there. I, okay. I was asking, you know, where basically where it started, where it, where it went and where it's going. Where, and where it ended. In. Let's talk about where it's going to end. <laughs> Well, talk about a little bit about, you know, you go to Chicago making a living as a musician. I mean, let's let, let's talk a little bit about. Oh, yeah. The old the, days. That, let's talk about that. The, the, the transition. Yeah. Making a living playing music. That's the, that's the old days. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I played with Jimmy Sutton and we had this band called The Four Charms. We played jump blues and rockabilly. And uh, that was fun i could kind of use all these different styles and since we were playing swing i felt like ah, i need to be better at jazz it was always a mystery to me i was self-taught you know so i just just 
I'm still doing it, just chipping away at that mountain every day, just like learning a little, trying to understand a little bit of theory. But I've kind of invented my own way to think about theory, and I don't really read music. I mean, I can understand chord charts, and I understand it, but I, you know, I'm a basically a guitar. If any joke about guitar players reading charts or music, <laughs> you know, that's insert my name in there. Um, so I'm just still chipping away at that, and I'm still playing. Green Mill, that's my one gig I play these days every Monday. And I'm playing with Andy Brown, who is an unbelievable bebop guitar player, world-class. And uh, he's kicking my ass every Monday. That's kind of my plan to just be, like, bludgeoned into learning jazz by playing with Andy Brown. Bebop bludgeoning. Yes, so I'm still still trying to do that. And I, I get to play the steel guitar now with him a little bit. About half the set I play uh, non-pedal console steel on a Rickenbacker. I'm trying to play jazz and Western swing with him playing bebop guitar. It's really exhilarating. And, uh, well, what's interesting to me over the years as well is how you've, you've mastered the ability to create records that are, um, Oh, uh, period out of print. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. You, you're able to get all the like period correct sounds, but add, you know, take this roots stance on some of these tunes, but do it in your own way. It's it's it's, oh, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. And the fact that it sounds like it's from that era, the tunes are from that era, but it's your own take. You're not just recreating something that's already been done. So describe oh, a little bit you. about how you started to amass the skills as far as technically speaking, making all that all happen. As well, oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to them. Um, I... I was always kind of interested in producing my own records, you know, but I didn't have the ability to record them until I made that record handful of strings. And that record, people like that record, but I listened to it and just kind of laughed because that was just the training ground for me to try to record myself and learn harmony and multiple overdub styles. And I, when I listened to that back, I have no memory how I did all that. I was obsessed uh, you know, to overdub all those guitar parts, it took forever and to just, but I was basically just teaching myself how to do that. And, um, over the years I've kind of, you know, without giving away all my secrets, I just kind of managed to get the gear I needed to record myself, which is so simple when people ask me about it. I'm like, you know, I really hate to bore you, but like 95% of this is just like the right guitar and the right amp and playing it the right volume and touch like recording those parts is like 80% just how hard you hit the strings on what note to make it sound, you know, musical. But, um, but the Christmas record is when I really started to figure out the gear and the, how to make it sound good. And like I wanted to, and then the Beatles overdub Beatles record was just kind of a, um, extension of that. It was kind of a sequel to the Christmas record. Uh, and I don't know if you heard after that, I put out this acoustic Beatles fingerstyle record. And that was uh, kind of a new challenge in the lockdown to figure out how do I record acoustic guitar and make it sound like I want to just one, one acoustic. Um, and that was a real challenge uh, just to sit there and perform by yourself and get a good take on an acoustic. It's because on acoustic, you hear every little, every little scrape and scratch and squeak. And it's just, you know, you're so exposed. It makes it, that really made me nuts. I thought that was going to be an easy record to knock out. And that was, it was hard, but, uh, but I listened to that real Travis record, walking the strings, the acoustic stuff to kind of get, that was the sound that I was looking for. I love the sound of that record. Right, right, right. It's recorded very kind of dark and on a ribbon mic and 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Christmas record, I did you you told me that nobody listens to this, right? Already? Because uh, I'm about to, I want to give away some secrets, but I, we need your assurance that nobody listens to this. I know a lot of people listen to it. Oh, <laughs> it's actually the opposite of what I, Okay. All right, then I'm not going to say anymore. Uh, but uh, yes. no, I, quite, I actually. Quite a, the, few, quite a few of the guitar people listen to these. To these these things. Okay, and they don't, you know, talk to anybody or socialize or converse with anybody, so that's okay. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, uh, <laughs> no, they, people ask me about the Christmas record all the time, and I really get bored with like running down the list of what mics I use and amps and you know, I'm like, oh, was I'm flattered by that, but I will tell you right now a little nugget that I recorded all those guitar parts, all the steel parts, at home, and I recorded them. First, that's all I'm going to say. I sat down and recorded the lead parts first with no anything. Did it totally backwards than how you would normally do everything. So, And you did do it at home? Yeah, everything except uh, the drums and bass we put on at uh, Alex Hall Studio. I hope that doesn't ruin anybody's Christmassy feelings when they listen to the record. <laughs> I, I don't think that'll have a... Uh... Deleterious impact. But, but I realize there's a tradition of all the my my big guitar heroes that recorded those uh, overdub multi-track records, all recorded at home. Les Paul, Jorgen Ingman, Buddy Merrill, they recorded all those zillions of guitar parts at home because it's just like it is today. You could never book studio time back in the day when you had to knock out a pop record in three hours and the next orchestra comes in. You couldn't sit there and Take do a multi-track. Around. Yeah, so Les Paul invented that. Jorgen Ingman from Denmark, who's my real guitar hero he um he really took took that to a great level and buddy merrill probably took it to the most insane level with in terms of amounts of tracks and sped up guitars and and all that but they all recorded that stuff at home so i'm kind of trying to carry on that tradition which is very cool i dig it yeah thank you i dig it i'm trying to motivate to do another one right now it's hard it's hard because that's a it's a kind of a lonely existence making those records so you got to really like force yourself to work on them and there becomes a point where you get obsessed with them and then you dig it but but to get there you have to like turn off everything that exists in the modern world like uh you know like podcasts and right all that stuff (laughs) so what have you been doing during uh the pandemo to try to uh be able to keep the uh home fires burning as it were like with food and rent and that kind of stuff Oh, it's, it's been tough. And I always said, this is going to be the hardest part. And it's true. The hardest part of the pandemic is this phase for me, which is the like awkward trying to like kickstart everything again, because the average Joe will ask me like, Oh, this is great. You're, you're back. You're playing music again. And I'm like, you don't understand, man. We like, we lost everything. Like every gig I played is not there anymore. Like I'm not doing one thing I used to do. So you have to restart all that totally from the, and you can't just press pause and then press start again and have everything be like it was. So anyway, I'm not going to complain too much, but you know, it took 20 years to build up like, Oh, I play on this night and that guy's available on this night. No, and he's free on this first Thursday of the month. And this guy is uh, there. So now the email chains now are just like so torturous to try to, to uh, figure out. So I'm just trying to build up and try to figure out who wants to play and what lineups and who some people want to play a lot. Some people don't want to play hardly at all anymore. It's, it's all very weird, but thank God I'm playing Mondays at the mill. That's all I'll talk about because that that's uh, saving my life right now. But during the pandemic, I practiced a lot and 
tried to up my jazz game and, and learn all the standards that I was putting off, you know, all those standards that you're embarrassed. You don't know. And somebody calls it a gig and you're like, Oh, sorry, I don't know that one. And it's like, you know, the body and soul or something that you should know. So I sat there and tried to learn the, a lot of those, the ones that I really like, and I haven't really got to play them live. And it, it sucks that uh, you can't play things live. Cause that's how you remember them. I think I forgot everything that I learned during the pandemic. So, uh, but uh, I played a lot of steel. That was my big project to non-pedal. You know, I used to play a lot of pedal steel, but the gigs kind of dried up and that thing is such a pain in the ass. So I, uh, I'm trying to just play everything I know on a non-pedal C6 tuning and um, learned a bunch of jazz. So that's what I've been doing. Recorded a couple of records during the pandemic. Haven't really figured out how to get them out, but. Um, working on that. I don't know, The Great Rebuilding. The Great Rebuilding, exactly correct. I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting time. Um, you, you know, just when, I'm sure you were the same way. It's like last, you know, last year at this time, we were thinking, man, you know, probably something will start loosening up in the fall, maybe. And so we were kind of looking forward to maybe the fall. And all of a sudden, it's like late April, someone turned the switch like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. And then like, wait a minute, what? And we were was- ready because it takes three months uh, to get a gig booked and figure it out. So, yeah, we, especially because we're up here in the cold weather, we can't right. do a lot of out, outdoor stuff. So, yeah, it's it's been tough. And the same thing happened now. Like, I do remember exactly a year ago, well, it's January, exactly a year ago, January, I was recording this acoustic ragtime record that I'm still trying to put out. And uh, Do you remember just like, oh, man, trying so hard to get the vaccine? Actually, I don't know what you were doing, but I was like waiting to get the vaccine. Like, this is it. Like, oh, my God, you know, we're going to do it. This light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to get the vaccine and then we're going to come out and we're going to gig and it's going to be. So we were killing ourselves on these. I actually went to Milwaukee to get the vaccine because it was impossible in Chicago. And I drove up to some pharmacy in Milwaukee and talked. Everyone knows the vaccines are better here. (laughs) exactly it's the real stuff man you got the real pure it's got cheese yeah yeah that's a good medium you know to really spread it through your body that's right it's the cheese but i went up to milwaukee and i said hey i work in wisconsin uh which is not a lie you know and um so i got the vaccine but then i thought all right march this is it we're coming back bam and there was a little bit of where in april or whatever it was a party like we came back and crowds were big and then it just you know Everybody knows this story. I don't need to rehash it, but, uh, but yeah, this is the hard part, but it's fun talking to you about guitars. This is something we didn't used to do. I never used to talk to you before the pandemic. Now look, look at this. And now here we are shooting yeah. the damn breeze. That's awesome. Let's talk about guitars fast. I know you're looking at your numbers right now and they're plummeting. Cause we're not talking about guitars. I can well, see again, you doing it. You know, again, this isn't live. So it just goes on. It'll, it'll probably go up in about two weeks, usually on Thursdays. I've been, I've been taking the holidays off and um, it's in terms of the, of the podcast. Cause uh, you know, I do four or five live streams a week and I got Skype lessons and whatnot. Which yeah, you're are prolific, problems, man. How, which, which, how do you do all that? Problems. Well, you know what? I having four kids uh, has made me uh, over the Hide years, in the basement, you know, well, they're fucking expensive, man. So, <laughs> so being able to okay, um, that's good to know that we can swear on your podcast. We just yes, we can. We, we established that. Okay, we can. Just talk about kids, and you'll start swearing. Well, exactly. Well, and, and, and believe me. Well, if I like, if you know, if, if uh, you know, if I never had kids, uh, I probably never would have got my act together. You know what I mean? I just was uh, 
it's kind of a profligate, you know, partying, rampaging hooligan. And then uh, <clears throat> that's exactly uh, what I used to think about you back then. And I was looking for the words. Case closed. That was it. And, Those uh, were the exact words. Well, you know, it's nice to know goals reached. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, then um, I started having, you know, all of a sudden, hey, we're going to have a Bambino. I better get my shit together. So, you know, six months after I had the, the first one, you know, I stopped partying. You know, I, you know, I got, you know, nixed that all out because I was kind of like, well, let's see. I can either not or die. So um, I stopped doing that and, you know, realized, okay, well, once you stop drinking, man, I mean, it's like you look at a lot of the clubs I was playing up here and just going, what, what am I doing in this place? You know, this is not, you know, and you realize that hockey um, back then was rough. That was a rough circuit back then, man. It was. Well, you know, Some of the, party, the blues gigs great. we used to play, the biker bar blues gigs we used to, we grew up playing. That was a rough oh, yeah. circuit. Stockholders, it was stockholders, Harpo's. Uh, up and under, oh steady, yeah, steady. up and under, and, and believe me, back then the up and under was the smokiest bar in the world, man. I took three showers after every gig back then. Absolutely, it was just, it was, you know, and and then there was a, there'd be Mongos up in Appleton. There was, I think, oh, there was no. a, uh, the cheese circuit. Was, we call it the cheese circuit. Exactly, there was the, the Scott, Street, Scott Street Pub in Wausau. Harmony Bar in Madison. Oh, that was a rough. Wow, the Scott Street Pub was a rough one for me. That was a long drive. And uh, yes, uh, and then Wits End and Stevens Point, Heroes in Green Bay. You know all these different joints. Oh, there's uh, your memory. There's your memory again. Don't remind <laughs> me. But. <laughs> but you know, you stop drinking. You go into these places like, what? What am I doing here? So my problem is, I never drank, and I was too sober during all those gigs. Oh, God bless you. That's uh, you worked off your time in purgatory. <laughs> You're going right in. Uh, so I, you know, it's one of those things where it's you know, once you're, you know, all of a sudden you got kids and more kids and more kids, and then it's like, I all need of a sudden, some- how did you do that? That's I didn't. Well, apparently reproduction is uh, <laughs> something amazing. I enjoyed. All of a I sudden, you had kids. Apparently, <laughs> I excelled at reproduction. So. Well, I'm amazed uh, you're you're as good as guitar you are. If that's if you had all those kids, then I don't know how you did that. You you hid in the basement quite a bit. Well, you know what I had. Uh, <laughs> I always liked playing. I practiced all the time. I mean, it wasn't like you know, I, you know how it is too. It's like not one of those things where it's like, well, I practiced these scales and I practiced. It's like no, I I applied information to music immediately. It's uh, and it was always towards a goal of okay, well, I'm learning this because I want to play a gig with this, or I'm learning this school. Cause I'm going to write a song with it. And it was always, there was always an end game to everything I learned. It yeah, wasn't that reminds just, me because people say, well, why do you play this style? How'd you get into this style? How'd you get into this guy? And a lot of it was just like, I have to learn this song for this gig. Right. And then I got to learn this style. And then you get, you go down a rabbit hole then you get into a whole nother style just because of this one gig where you wanted to learn this one guy's song. So yeah, that's what it is. But my career is just a hodgepodge of, all these different kinds of gigs and that's just kind of who I am. And there's, and that's, and it never ends. I mean, I, uh, I had one recently that was interesting. Um, uh, Rick Nielsen's son, Dax got a hold of me and said, Hey, we're going to be in town on, um, next Thursday night. You want to come and sit in? I'm like, yeah, that'd be fun. He's like, well, learn these two songs. So I learned these songs. And as I'm learning, I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I played in a band with all these older guys and, and they did cheap trick tunes. And I remember I, I re-immersed myself. I was like, shit rocks. So then I started, <laughs> I went down the cheap trick rabbit hole. And now it's like I could play a concert. I, and then he calls me up and says, hey. You got uh, a full like, 
cheap trick set ready to I'm go. I'm ready to go. Wow. I'm ready to go. So then they call me up and like, hey, my, my dad can't make this gig because there's a conflict and you want to fill in and do all of Rick's parts. I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. So it was all set to go. And then the pandemic hit like, oh, we got to reschedule. So, but the point is like, to your point, it's like you all of a sudden you rediscover something and then you just go down the rabbit hole and then you just start like, well, what's that? What's that cool thing? Well, that's kind of Beatlesque what he's doing there. Where do you get there? And you sit down and you figure it out. And then that leads to writing your own tune or doing an arrangement of something else. And it just never gets old. I mean, that's the funnest thing about playing. We guitars. do. That does. You, it, we, yes. we certainly do. That is a fact. Old grace. Well, you just described the process and uh, people ask me, how do you learn all this stuff? And I just like, I, it's really a lot of work, but it's not work. It's just what you're compelled to do at all times. And, uh, it's kind of a curse because I don't know if I have, I'm a functioning member of society at all. I have no idea, but, <laughs> but, uh, it got me through the pandemic, you know, well, I'm still in the pandemic basically, really. It has, I haven't changed much during the early days of lockdown here, but, um, you know, that I really practice a new kind of practice, you know, but it was a struggle to try to do these mental games to know whether you're remembering anything. Right. That was uh, <clears throat> that was tough, and I'm still doing that. I, I don't know, especially and as you get older, you have to invent new ways to kind of retain right. I was gonna, I was information, gonna and I, I realize that I'm exactly like uh, an outdated Apple computer that I have. Like, in order for me to learn a new thing, I mean, I have like 300 gigs on my computer, and uh, I'm at like 290 gigs right now of storage space. So, and if I had to learn something, I have to delete a bunch of stuff from my brain. So that's why. I, that's my excuse for forgetting everything. Well, I can re- I can relate because there's a you know as you well know with those more arranged things there's a there's a muscle memory aspect to those arrangements and, and that's interesting. If, I thought it was all in the brain, but you're right. There is this auto kind of thing you gotta you can't get by unless you're gigging. Right, and if you I find that if I haven't played like a like you know a chat a certain chat piece or something like that or one of my tunes that's in that realm of you know kind of an arranged chord melody with bass part and so on and so forth that um i'll start playing it and then a part, even a song i've played a thousand times if it's been a while i'll start playing it and i'll reach a part of like i totally can't remember this next part so i got to start from the beginning and then you just realize that holy shit and that's that's a manifestation of getting older i, I find that i i've got to in order to keep stuff uh in in battle condition as i like to say i've got to review it review it ever so often or else you know sometimes i'll just you know if i'm doing a live stream or something or even a gig and something hey play that one too and be like okay fuck it i'll do it and i'll get into it and i might get into the spot uh, where it's like oh, i know oh. it's frustrating because i feel like we're both probably in our minds better than we've ever been because we know more stuff and are more refined and like i know so much i did everything wrong back in the day i'm just convinced i always sucked back then did everything wrong but it's harder to retain and remember stuff so yeah it's 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 torture. Are we trying to discourage people from playing guitar, or what? What is the no, point? We're, of this we're trying to get, we're, we're, we're trying to get them to start snorting Prevagen. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Woo! Yeah, those damn commercials come on, and my and, and my kids are like, "Dad, you need to get some of that Prevagen." And so I've been t- jo- there's a commercial for every possible tiny little discomfort or ailment you might possibly have. There's a new commercial for it right now, and. People ask me how I play guitar, and I turn on um, ETV or some cooking shows on PBS or or uh, the Decades Channel, and I just leave that on because those old shows are kind of relaxing to me, and that's how I practice. And I just, you know, 
try to practice my jazz licks, but uh, yeah, the commercials make you crazy. You realize uh, they're marketing um, towards us, guys yes. like us, our age group. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny too. It's it, amazing. You know, I'll occasionally run across people my own age go, God, they look old. You realize, of course, <laughs> myself excluded. You know, I look like a spring chicken, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy, especially when you they haven't aged much. Ah. Not at all. You well, had yeah. a well, gray beard when I met you in 95. Yeah, probably. Well, 90, yeah, early 90s. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been, well, we I think started, of you as looking the same. Well, I had more hair then. Now I, I hard I hide my skullet now with these these lids, <laughs> yeah. so people can't see the. I really my, don't. You know, the only thing I'm going to say about getting old that's amazing because, like, I don't. I look at myself in the mirror and I see this one tiny tuft of brown hair I still have on the top, and I still think I have brown hair. <laughs> I'll see a Facebook photo of me from the side, and I'll be like, "Holy jumpins! What? Who the hell is that guy?" Yeah, I'll tell you so what. Yeah, you look. You still look quite young indeed. Of course. Uh, you know, um, clean living will do that to you. Well, those you Instagram know? filters will do wonders. I'm telling you, <laughs> my lips are really, my lips are very full and yeah. We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle infested conversation to give a special shout out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Cock signature fluence gristle tone pickup set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat. In the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. Well, how do you enjoy the? I mean, you've kind of mentioned kind of a um, in the past, you know, some some comments about the, the social media and and how that affects. I don't know how people perceive music and so on and so forth. And what what is your kind of approach to that stuff? I, I just kind of do it for the fun of it because. You know, it is what it is. I find that just to be able to play 30 to 60 seconds of something that I don't think is absolutely shit is you're a, a good master exercise. I, I, you know, I you're just, prolific like, I, and you're a master. And I get go through periods where I can't make myself make a guitar video because I did a lot of those back in the day. And I feel like that was something I did then. And I now I'm kind of like trying to get back to playing live and recording more. I cannot fit the time in to fit a little video in anymore. I need to start doing that. Uh, you're inspiring me to... Just spit it out, you know. You're great at that. Oh, well, thank God. But you got the gift gift of that. Uh, I have a hard time, like, not when I do a guitar video, not to just have some amazing new arrangement of something and, and play a song. And that kind of is discouraging. I should just turn the camera on and noodle around and and uh, do that. But it's hard for me to do that. But that might be easier to spit out some content that way. Yeah, it's always interesting. People to just want to see licks. But I... I want to see songs and melodies. I don't care about people right, absolutely, playing absolutely. licks out of time with no band and no audience. Like, I don't know if that's music, but it's a new genre of music. And right. it's, it's happened and it's like hard for me to accept. And some of it's amazing. You can't watch some of these young guys without being discouraged and go crazy because it's unbelievable what people are doing in their bedrooms, you know, it's guitar gymnastics. Um, I try not to let that affect me, but I'm kind of on this quest to just learn as many jazz songs as possible and play melodies right. And I don't know if that they're going to be exciting guitar videos for people. So I haven't really I've been doing it much, but I should. I'm going to start doing those more. 
My thing with the guitar videos, why I started doing them was always a quick way to promote a gig I was playing. Right, exactly. I was like, I don't know how to get people out. I can't make a band poster every time I play a gig and I just need to get 20 people out to pay the rent, you know, and the the built-in crowd at the club. And if I just bring out a few people, then maybe we'll have a good night. So that posting a little guitar video to get people to watch it and then I could do in the comments, "Ah, I'm playing so-and-so, you know. That was how I did it. So when the gigs dried up, I haven't had the motivation to post those guitar videos. Right, I understand. So well, it, it definitely is very effective from the from the promotional point of view. I mean, I know that except these guitar people, players don't leave their houses anymore. That, well, there's that. They just watch YouTube, so you know. Well, I don't know. That. Is it music? Uh, it's a very interesting philosophical question. Like, if somebody does something just drop dead amazing on the guitar in the room, like, what is that? Well, I it's don't interesting. I, I, I don't enjoy it that much. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I really don't. I think, well, I don't I, know. I, I like I, it when I, you, you you do it. I can tell that you know how to like hold a crowd and play with a band and play with humans, and like talk to the audience and do that. So when you do it, I feel like you're just like doing this approximation of what you do live, and it's really cool. But then I see people where like this is this is it. You know, could they do this in front of an audience? I don't. I don't know. Well, to be honest with you, I, I don't watch a ton of, of the stuff. I, I like well, you don't to, have time. You're making content, you know. That's right. the thing. As they say, I like to post and ghost. I mean, <laughs> is that I, what I, it I, is? I like yeah. that. Damn, i got to talk to you more and get some of these modern expressions that I need. Post and ghost. That's my style, man. But but I do like to go back and if someone asks a question, but, you know, it's, typically they, they're asking the same questions over and over again, which I understand. You know, I mean, people tuning in for the first time, you know, oh, what strings nice are you using? Questions. I just don't always have time for all of them. I wish I did. Exactly. But. It's very difficult. But And what astounds me are these guys that, you know, I mean, I'm very, very fortunate in the, in the kind of stuff that I do streamwise is that I'm um, I have relationships like with, you know, Wildwood Guitars that send me guitars every week. So when I do those videos you know a crowd tunes in a lot of times the guitars sell but it's not predicated on getting a million views you know if, if it gets a couple thousand views thank god the, the guitar sells everyone's happy but i don't have to like do this you know there and, and again I, i'm not criticizing people that do it it's just not my thing there always has to be a whiff of controversy to this shit you know yes. so and so so and so versus is this or the top that? best this or who's underrated or Fender versus Gibson. I hate the list. I hate comparing guitar players. Like, who do you like better? I'm like, are you kidding me? What? Why would I care who's better, Les Paul or or uh, Jimmy Bryant or like what? What the hell? Like, I don't understand this. Is it, this is just, I just picture people really bored at a day job that just need to like have some hint of excitement to post some, I, why are we getting sucked into this? Because I, I don't understand it. But exactly. I, I, and I, I don't watch any of that stuff. I, I just can't, you know, I, I so, guess I'm not sure what you mean, but I, cause I never click on anything. It looks kind of clickbaity with guitar related well, guitar. Yeah. See, that's the thing, but a lot of them have the little but subject the comp- matter, a little oh, subject matter. You know that's supposed it's to a, kind of arouse, uh, yeah, the clickbait controversy you know and get you a YouTube um, views of, yeah. Come and embrace this, you know, and, and but so, but the kind of videos I do like, um, you know, like this Mateus Asado, I don't know if you've ever seen his stuff, but he's, he's someone who will sit and play, um, play by himself, but he does these really beautiful arrangements of some of his own tunes, other, and, and it's kind of a combination of, uh, there's some of those gospely chops, you know what I mean? Where they, you know, and, and, but it's, it's, it's astounding. 
You know, he'll do something. I'm like, that's musical. And I enjoy that. You know, a lot of times, you know, people will do like a blues thing where it looks like they're straining at stool. You know what I mean? And just kind of doing the same old stuff. <laughs> Don't get me started about the new guitar faces. Oh my God. <laughs> there's a new, there's a new breed of guitar faces going on. That is, is, right. It's a, lo a lot of head bobbing, a lot of smiling. You're in love with every note you're playing. Right. I, I don't know what happened to tortured artists. I, I hate everything I'm playing. I don't understand why. Uh, what happened to pirates? Suppose, That's what I want to know. What <laughs> happened to the pirate? The pirate has been extinguished. <laughs> <laughs> That's your method. Huh? <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, but there is there is some stuff, and, and a lot of times for me, what's cool is is I just see like someone do a little something. You know what I mean? They'll also I'll be playing through, and there'll be like a, a certain chord or a certain something. Or sometimes, you know, I'll just be like going through something and someone will go, hey, here's a cool idea. Like Rick Beato every now and again, well, he has a lot of great ideas. But like, here's something cool you can do. You ever try doing this where you do this? And they're like, what? And it'll just, I'll just hear it out of the corner yeah. of my brain. And yeah. I'll be like, well, I won't do it like that, but I can add that to my own little studio. Well, you're cursed really if you're trying to remember all those, learn all that. Because you know how guitar players are. If we hear one lick that somebody else plays that we don't know, we are convinced they are like a million times better guitar player than we are. <laughs> and it haunts us, you know? So I try to kind of like, I, I don't know, I kind of got my own to-do list that it was never ending. Like I could spend my entire life learning Barney Kessel, Chet Atkins and, you know, Les Paul and Kenny Burrell and all of them. I will be insane my entire life trying to like figure that out. So it's hard for me to, to uh, watch a lot of new stuff, I feel bad. I'm pretty. I'm. You know, um, it's a fun anyway. thing to see every day. I don't know if you if you follow him, but it, uh, are you familiar with Bruce Foreman? No. Uh, well, follow him on Instagram. And okay, he, send it to has, me. Send me the link. I will do that. He he has uh, Barney Kessel's old guitar. He was, he was oh yeah, I do follow him. him. I didn't just I didn't know his name. He's got a different handle on uh, on uh, Instagram, so I forgot. Right, his name. he just wears the hat. He looks straight at the camera and just. That guy is amazing. Like at first I said, like, who is this guy? What is he doing? And then I realized this guy is uh, shredding jazz, man. It's unbelievable. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. And chord he's melodies are his chord, chord got, melodies are unreal. Yeah, I do follow him. That's one of those guys that I follow, but try not to look too closely at because I go crazy. So he's fa he's fantastic and, uh, and a cool dude. His story. Have you had him on the podcast? I have. I have indeed. And, is he uh, a talker? He is. He's got fantastic stories. <laughs> I bet. And uh, well, that's Barney Kessel's old guitar. Yeah, that killed me that he got that. But actually, then I, I for like a nanosecond, I was pissed off about that. Then I was like, wait a minute, this makes perfect sense. He should be playing chord melody stuff on that guitar every day, and he does, and he's playing the damn thing, you know. Yeah, and he, well, it's he, not and hanging he, on a wall. I, and, I, and I he, appreciate he, he, that. He uh, he tells the story. You got it. You you got it. If you want to check out the old episode that we did with him, he tells the story. It's fantastic because he used to play with Barney, and he, and uh, and it's it's kind of a metaphysical tale as he describes it of how he ended up getting this guitar. It's quite a story. It's I've a talked one. at length with some friends of mine who are a highly guitar geek uh, geeky, and we have tried to figure out the lineage, the history of all the repairs and weird modifications done to Barney Kessel's guitar over the years, and it is a rabbit hole. It's like this. You know, the Kennedy assassination, trying to figure out when he routed it for this pickup, when he put this one on, he moved the pickup route up and down. You know, he had the neck kind of like the, it looked like he's at some point he had the nut width narrowed and the binding changed. And, and, but he always played the same guitar. It's unbelievable. How could he do that? You know, he played the old, you know, what are, he had all those endorsements for the other guitars. I don't think he played a note on any of them. 
Right. He only played that 350 or whatever you want to call it because, uh, <clears throat> and um, it's kind of cool that somebody could just play one guitar their entire career and that was good enough and just keep modifying it and working on it. And because, uh, you know, we think we have to have a different guitar for every genre and style. We're like, well, I got to have a telly for this. I got to have this for that. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he just played that one guitar, which was like long scale, just put wound heavy strings on it and just play. This is a guitar, play your music on it. It's kind of unbelievable. So anyway, I'm happy that he has that, has that guitar. I'd love to plunk on it someday, uh, but uh, it's in good hands. Definitely. Yes, indeed. You know what? Some people acquire certain famous guitars and you get pissed about it because you don't think it's being utilized and uh, it will disappear and hang right. on a wall forever. It's cool that he's got that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of an interesting th- point you made earlier. I mean, I- I'm sure you were the same way. Remember when we were younger no. You know, play, well, try to try to go back in time, if you will, the <laughs> yes. loftier times where we didn't have gray in our hairs and so on and so forth. <laughs> it's like we you had like a gigging guitar and maybe a spare, and that was it. You oh yeah, I, mean? I remember those days. And you and to get another guitar, you had to get rid of a guitar. And I still that's still in my brain. So every guitar deal I've ever done over the years, I've made myself get rid of something just to feel better. And same with records, you know, I, oh, I got too many of these original pressing jazz records lying around, you know, like I got to like every time I move apartments, I got to get rid of a uh, hundred of these things. And uh, my entire life, I was trying to be frugal and and uh, talk myself out of things. And I look back on it now and I did everything exactly wrong. My goal in my life should have been hoarding vintage guitars and jazz <laughs> records. That should have been it. I did it all wrong. It's it's amazing that people that were somehow aware that keeping on holding on to that stuff would be worth vast quantities of money. It's just well, you know those people they were hoarders, and back then trying to talk them out of things was impossible. Right. So they had that this thing in their brain where they could not get rid of something. Everybody that has a collection is like that. You remember trying to get guitars out of people like that back in the day? It was right impossible. You had to make like a terrible deal to right. to acquire something. No, we don't need to say any names. We've all done deals with the same people up there in Wisconsin. And, uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin. Yeah, I hope I still say that right. <laughs> Somebody told me uh, about 10 years ago that I have a Chicago accent now. Ah, interesting. And uh, the people here tell me I have a Wisconsin accent. So I, I, I don't know. And I'm talking to you right now, and I think uh, we don't have any accents at all. So I don't think we have accents. I'm not, <laughs> you, know, you can always tell a little bit, you know, like when we were saying, you know, like Tulsa. You know, Tulsa. When, when you start when you Wisconsin. start saying stuff like that, then you're like, hey, Tulsa. Then you, then you can hear it a bit. But um, well, I, yeah. I think that it's all notes. Speaking of of notes and guitars, that accents are are certain notes and ranges, and I think that it's the same accent, but the Chicago accent is this note. Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and the Wisconsin accent is this note. Uh, it's the same. Because I used to talk here, I think, and now I talk here. So it's it's just notes. I like it. It's my theory of why I sound ridiculous. Well, how often do you get back to Wisconsin to gig? Man, I've been bad about Not to gig, not at all. But I need to go up there to see my mom more than I do. I feel terrible about it. And... Uh, but you know how it is, man. It's it's rough. Um, but uh, I'll come up your way and hang out, hang out with you. That's an easy drive, you know, Milwaukee from here. Come on up. Yeah. We'll and, cause uh, trouble. I don't know. I don't. I've lost completely. Lost track of the gigs up there, and that's kind of okay. Uh, my crowd is they're old. That's all I'm going to say. I, you know, the 
people that remember me was Madison. It's a long oh, time yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I made those a joke with I had a gig once in town here about ten years ago, and I had a bunch of uh, uh, guys that I would fly in from Austin, and we had this group of kind of a few people of renown or whatever the case may be. And, and I remember they were all backstage and it was getting close to showtime. And I it was at Shank Hall, right? So I, I go out and I open the curtain and I look out and I go back into the dressing room. And I go, fellas, uh, I got good news and I got bad news. Like, what's the good news? I said, well, the good news is the place is packed. The bad news is in 10 years, most of them would, will be dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's just the way it is. What are you going to do? I have been intrigued by the fact that there's been younger folks coming to the gigs. And they I, like guitar. The young people like guitar. They do. Stop I, complaining. I, Why are we complaining? And I do think that that, you know, the social media thing is one of the reasons why they even know who you are. You know what I mean? I, well, like, that, it totally is. I'm not complaining about that. It's it's great. But it, I, it's funny how they perceive me, though. I don't understand. I, I'm always just convinced I'm just I'm just a dude sitting home playing guitar. Who cares? You know, what the... Why does any why does anybody care about that? But um, I appreciate them watching, and I'm glad that they think it's a little different than than uh, all the other guitar videos. But I try to bring a little something different to them. But absolutely, <clears throat> and that's the know. way it should be. And you know, they started off for me. The guitar videos were kind of a way to play stuff that I couldn't really play live because in the band gigging situations, I had to stick to a certain kind of music, or we the band couldn't rehearse much because we're all gigging. So a lot of the videos were just stuff that I'd be like, well, I'd love to play this song someday, and I'd learn it and, and play it. That was like an outlet for that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I've always enjoyed your videos on the on the inner Googles. Well, maybe I'll make some more. What what should I do? I, I'm out of ideas. You know, I did a bunch of those acapella overdub things during the pandemic. I'm never going to do those again. And what do the people want? You know, do I? I, 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 I have no idea what they want. <laughs> but I just, I, I, I just, just don't want to play me. disembodied licks. Any, you know, I, I, well, I just like groove shit. Sometimes I just groove shit is the way. I mean, I come up with a with a new series of chords, you know, a little chord melody thing, and I find that even if it's thirty seconds long, it's just it's just a nice little message to the world of saying, hey. This is what I was. This is what I was feeling today. I hope you dig it. Have a pleasant remainder of your day and or night. Well, I love that caption. Can I copy and paste that and put that on every post that I ever made? <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Um, my problem is, uh, I think what I need to do is, I am the looper pedals drive me crazy. I cannot understand them. I sit down and I try to do them, and getting the taps right and the buttons right to it's you record a part and then you sit there and then you immediately erase it by accident. And someday I want to figure this out because I don't really want to use them. Like most people do. What I want is like a, a 32 bar progression that I can play along with and have it repeat and then easily overdub stuff on it and maybe make guitar videos that way. So at least I'm not just playing leads by myself with nothing. Cause I kind of want some chord changes. So right. I was doing that on my Echoplex for a while and that was fun, but then you have to, uh, I have a couple videos, but you have to exactly time your arrangement for however long your tape loop is. Right. And then it keeps piling on and piling on and, and you can't go back. You're stuck with whatever you, I did a video, I think it's called flying home on YouTube where I did it in real time on an Echoplex. And that was amazing. It sounded incredible. You know, it sounded real, but obviously it's insane. And, uh, but anyway, if you got any tips for me, don't tell well, me I, now. Maybe I in found, person. I found that the uh, that MXR clone looper is pretty pretty friendly. 
And friendly, you mean for an old, impatient old old guy? Yes. Well, for me, what I found that was interesting about it, I was using the the the, the TC Electronics flash. Not not flashback, although that has one on there too. But uh, it's the Ditto. They have a Ditto, and the that's Ditto. what I have. I have that, and it was good, but it confounded me. Yeah, you know, the, the only thing I find about the the MXR that I like better is that it just seems to be more instinctive to to tap to step on it at the right time to keep your loop in time without a hiccup. It seems more it seems more intuitive, and it also seems that the uh, the fidelity of the of the stacking seems to be superior. Mm, the fidelity to, of the stacking. Yes, you like that? No, I, yeah, I that's perfect. Up. The uh, fidelity yeah. of the stack. It just seems you're to have more. Smith. I'm glad you're the host of this show. It, it's, it seems to have a little bit more space, and it just sounds more, more, more hi-fi, if you will. Um, so I, I, I've been finding, you know, when I do, when I do do, when I do do the looper, um, I find that that I, I like to keep the loop shorter these days. You know, just like maybe you can do a, a full arrangement of a tune per se. And I, I've I just need that. 32 bars uh, that repeats itself. I don't know why is it so impossible. That's like uh, an impossible thing to achieve these days. But I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this right now, screaming at their iPhones that you know, you idiot, use this, do this, do this. But uh, I need an well, intern. I had that, you know, remember back in the day, what was the name of that thing? The boomerang. Remember the boomerang stacker? I stacker? never messed around with that stuff back before the Instagram videos. I never thought, dreamed to do anything like that. Well, that was a pretty cool one. I remember it, it, that was pretty intuitive to use. And you could do like, you know, uh, uh, slow shit down and and do things backwards. It was it was a pretty cool thing. And I remember and it used to be kind of a, it was a larger thing back in the day. It was like, you know, a little over like a foot long. Um, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Then they made it a, a smaller one, but then, but then the stuff was just do put together. But I, I don't know. You know, one of the things that I I don't like about the loopers is I do like to just have um, to be able to make things just sound like an arrangement, just me. Even if I veer off and not have the chordal background going on, that the that the lead that I'm doing grooves enough that when I go back into the chords, it all seems to be there's continuity as a solo piece you know what i mean hmm. yeah i think what i'm describing is basically just a bunch of backing tracks is what i need right but, right, right, but right. i don't have the patience to sit there and record all those and save them and then somehow play them while i play along with them on a video i just want some do something there have it come through my amp play along with it um so yeah, check out the old clone the old clone looper i'll hook you up with my buddy my buddy at uh, jim dunlap and um, yeah text text me a couple of these and uh, he's he's a good fellow, my buddy Brian Keel. Or we could just play together. There you go. That'd be fun. Did you ever think of that? You could just play with another guitar player. Yes, there's always that. Well, it would have been fun to do that gig in Chicago I got coming up, but I understand it was, it was kind of a – I didn't even know if it's going to happen. I mean, it's, You don't know it's anything's going to happen anymore. It's so hard to go through. You know how what a pain in the ass it is to book a gig. The amount of texts and emails, and you got to deal with the club, and then you deal with your band members, and you go back and forth, and – and then you realize you haven't played any guitar all afternoon long, and then you get pissed off. And uh, to do all that now and then have the gigs be so up in the air, it's defeating. You don't really – I don't motivate to try to book like I did, you know. Yeah, I hear but, that. But uh, here I go, complaining again. But we'll- well, it's not, it's not really complaining. It's just commenting uh, realistically based on past information. <laughs> I could see your wheels turning in real time there. That was in, that was impressive. I was that was, was a looper, looper pedal of the mind right there. 
Actually, uh, I got an idea. You should use a looper pedal to do your podcast. So oh, there you, just, you go. You can just talk to yourself. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Well, we. But I don't feel like we're talking enough about guitar and gear and licks and stuff to satisfy anybody listening to this. I oh think. no, they. They. You know, it's it's amazing. I, I remember my remember Scott Sherrard from from up here. He ended up playing with Greg Allman, and now he's actually in Little Feet. But he was he was around town the same time. You know, we were slugging it out in clubs around here, and we got we we got done with our with our conversations. Like, do you realize we didn't talk gear at all? And I'm like, well, that's you know. I love this, and I mean, I appreciate you not having me uh, play anything. I tell you that. <laughs> why well, do I? Well, I don't know why I avoid that like the plague. I live for guitar. I play guitar all day long, and you're like, oh God, don't ask me to play anything. Are you kidding? Me? Well, it is. You know, it is pressure. I mean, it's, as much as it, you know, when I do the live streams, I tell my wife, or even though the live streams. You know, I, they last about an hour, maybe a little bit more. And I'm just kind of I'm kind of winging it. And I respond to the comments, you know, and go, oh, and it's and all that kind of stuff. And, and you're it just consumes you know, your brain, though. It consumes your brain. You and get you're done weak. With it. What am I going to play? What am I going to do? I did. I did that last week. I can't do that again. I got to do a new one. I got to do this. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, is the lighting right? Oh, my God. Is everything working? Oh, is this board uh, not the working? Technical, the, the technical what's, one, what's I mean, the, the Facebook Live, one thing goes wrong and I go insane. I can't do the show because of the one little icon that didn't appear the way it used to. to do the, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you. It, it's, it's a new skill. Gear. I mean, that's the only, everyone's like, oh, you're always in such a good mood. How do you maintain such a positive attitude? Like, you haven't seen me I go am faking fucking it. postal when it comes to gear. <laughs> I mean, when I'm putting things on, I, I go from zero to psycho and like, Five zero seconds. to psycho. I like your next record title. I love that. Come on, record zero to psycho, please. Woo! I go crazy. It's like, why isn't this camera working? What is with this? I just, I, uh, I exhaust the full trove of. Well, it's an endless amount of new skills they're expecting us to learn, and they change every week. And uh, you know, I was like, I just every once in a while, I'm just like, this is not why I started playing guitar. I don't think any of these. This was not the goal when I was 15 year old listening to Blind Blake records, and, and you know I don't think I had envisioned any of this. Isn't it amazing the world that we started playing? How different it is now. Like we might as well be from the 1800s. I think I have more in common with somebody in the 1800s than I do with a modern person. When we started playing guitar, no internet, no YouTube, no cell phones, uh, no CD players, even no slowing down machines, no. Anything. It's it's unbelievable that uh we had vinyl and we had beer. Or at least I did. <laughs> what was it? What? V- vinyl and beer is how I learned. Oh beer. Oh, I didn't know what you said for a second there. Yeah, vinyl and beer. I I I really liked putting stuff on cassette back in the day. That was a way to transcribe. Oh, yes. I remember my, my my first trove of Jimmy Bryant stuff I learned from was all on cassette. Good work, man. Rewind. Rewind. I wasn't learning anything that fast on cassette. I was learning, you know, blues stuff. But uh, but you had to find a machine with the right action with the things, you know, to hit the buttons and and rewind just a tiny bit. You know, uh, that was fun. That was tactile. And uh, but you know, nothing. I don't think any music has ever in the history of the world has ever sounded better than when you took a vinyl LP and dubbed it right onto a cassette and then gotten into a 1996 Honda Civic and drove around and listened to your mixtape. I don't think yes. there's ever been a better way to listen to music. The mighty Honda Civic, a vehicle of honor. You know, gone through I, a few uh, of those. As have I. 
you know, it was kind of funny. I always remember Chris Hansen from up here in, in this air guitar player. He, we, I remember he was about seven I don't know, old. but I'm only thinking of the other Chris Hansen right now. So my brain is from Dayline. Oh, there you go. Well, Chris is a great guitar player, and he was like seven years older than I was, right? So when I got back from college in Stevens Point and I started my own band together, my day job was working at this music store. And uh, and I'll never forget, he's like, you know, oh, you need to get my, I, I need to buy a car. I had my parents like Chevy Citation or whatever, but I always wanted a Cadillac. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm out of college. I'm gigging. I'm working at a music store. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a fucking Cadillac. And so a buddy of mine's dad was selling his Cadillac. I got it for like a thousand bucks and it was a 77 Seville. Mm. And uh, within a year's time, and there was like, Oh, nothing has ever gone wrong with this guitar or this car's in perfect condition. <laughs> I do the within, guitar car, uh, it, brain happen, fart right? all the time. Constantly. That's, I'm so glad you did that. Just now. So, and, and my buddy was trying to tell me, my buddy, Chris is going, listen, that that's not a practical vehicle. You should really, you really get a, a, a hatchback, like a Toyota Corolla or a, or a Honda. I'm like, this guy, what, what's wrong with this guy? He's not a pirate. He's not, <laughs> speaking, he's not speaking the language of the night. I don't want to know about practicality. You know, when you had kids and need mortgage payments, like this is not this is not what I want to do at all. And so within a year, that freaking car was gone. And I, my my girlfriend, now wife, and I went in on a Honda Civic. And it was so funny. Everything Chris used to give me advice about, I just like out of hand just said, this is, this is bullshit. This is an abomination. Every one of those things came true in short order. And the first thing was the driving of the Honda vehicles, which maintains to this very day. You're driving that same car? Get out of here. No, no, no. But I drive, you know, we, of course, then we had, we had a graduation. Well, I've had minivan. about three beater civics in my gigging career. I, I keep them going forever. And, but the, up here, eventually, it's, you know, no matter how much stuff you maintain or whatever, the bodies just go, you know. Exactly. But and then yeah, you can't do anything about it. I had one where the water was getting in the trunk uh, where I kept all my stuff. And what are you going to do, you know? So. <clears throat> well, once we went to the minivan, what, you know, it's like the holy grail of the minivan was the Honda Odyssey. I was just Oh, joking. yeah. I never, the stepped up to the, I never stepped up to the plate. I used to fantasize about those back in the day. I was like, oh, I could put my whole pedal steel rig in a bag. I could take the drummer to a gig. I could drive the drummer. So, oh my God. Yeah. We, we have toured with my trio with the, with the Hammond guy, with a chopped, a chopped B3, a Leslie drum kit, two Vibroluxes, merch gear, and all three of us. And we've gone all over the place in the oh, That's beautiful. Cool, man. So it can be done. Well, living the dream in the minivan. Classic cars. <clears throat> I have this thing where I have to drive stick all the time, and uh, oh, I, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. going to be impossible soon. And I'm going to lose my mind. I don't, I don't understand anything that modern cars do. I get into a car, I don't understand why I have to touch a screen. It's like touching an iPhone now. I don't know. You don't even have to have keys. You don't. I don't know where the buttons are. Right. And and you your phone starts. Is. Your phone starts playing music as soon as you get into a car and starts. Uh, people's like phone conversations will appear magically in somebody else's car while they're driving away. And I just, it's unbelievable. I don't know what is happening. I don't understand why people like this stuff, but uh, anyway, yes, I understand. I understand it all. I will say that the only, one of the things that, you know, we were talking about just the influx of information. The only thing I find really, really awesome that we didn't have when we were growing up is remember when you would read, you know, you'd find a new person that you were into. Right. And, and then you would you would get an article in Guitar Player magazine or something like that or whatever, 
publication. And they would mention like four or five other people that you'd never heard of. And you're like, God, I'd love to hear that stuff. And now, now you just go online and either they will have just the audio uploaded or the actual person playing it, or maybe even someone showing how to play it. Maybe even that person showing how to play it. So from that point of view, it's like, the golden age. Oh, but to your it point, is. Yeah, I don't want to complain about that. There's something that doesn't satisfy my brain about that. I kind of like the the hunt back in the day for that. You know, that's kind of kind of what sustained us. You know, the instant gratification. Yeah, it is. You know, of course, I go on YouTube and look up everything instantly, and I I, I need to learn this song. I get like outraged if it isn't for free on YouTube. Right. Like, I can't believe nobody <laughs> uploaded this. Jesus Christ! True. Who are these people putting this stuff on YouTube? I don't, I don't know, but uh, <clears throat> it's a weird world. But you know, we have thousands upon thousands of hours of music uh, sitting on our computer that we could never possibly listen to in our lifetimes, and that's cool. But it's also kind of daunting and kind of weird. And uh, sometimes you just kind of long for that day where you went and bought your record and you went home, you sat in an easy chair, and you just like devoured that thing. Maybe people still do that, you know. Maybe I just have a hard time because I can't go back to that once you you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Exactly. That. <clears throat> exactly correct. But um it's all good. It's cool. I just wish people could go out and hear music at a local tavern and just you could just throw together a little band, play in a local tavern, put a tip jar out, make enough money to fix your Honda Civic, and you know, that would that's the only thing I'm longing for. I like those little gigs, you know, that's how you practice. Yes, this is true. There's no doubt about it. In Chicago, I miss what I used to pay the rent with just a lot of little gigs that you didn't have to tell anybody about. That was always the golden thing. Like, oh, I have a gig I don't have to promote. I play in this uh, hotel lobby or I play at this restaurant or I do this, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that I, I hope comes back. And that was I didn't appreciate the fact that that was how you practice and honed your chops. You're like, I have this new jazz standard. I'm going to play it for 10 minutes at this restaurant gig get that muscle memory like you were saying the the going with your fingers and uh i didn't really appreciate that till now because now i'm playing the green mill every monday and uh every time i play a new song i'm terrified because there's an audience there right and they're taking notes and i'm like oh shit i'm not gonna play i was practicing the song all day and ah, no, i'm not gonna play that right now i'm thinking i'm gonna fuck it up so uh <clears throat> yeah that's 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 what i hope comes back well that's hopefully, not hopefully it will. a lot to ask hopefully it'll be coming sooner than later Hopefully they'll all remember me and still have my phone number. I, 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 I don't a whole new crew of youngsters will be coming out. Well, it's true. It is happening. It's it's strange. Yeah. But they sure like to write emails, though, you know? I, I just wish we could back off on those just a little bit. <laughs> why do we still email? Can you? I would like to have somebody explain to me why there is still email. Uh, who, the, who the hell knows? I do like texting. Texting is fast. Yeah, it's fast. It's down and dirty. You, you texted me the other day. I was so happy you were just a quick texter. Just a quick... Bam, fire it off. You didn't do me a, a formal email where every time I opened the email, I had to look at every single thing we ever talked about and hunt for like, it's like, uh, you know, uh, going through the Egyptian tomb to try to f- figure out like, <laughs> where was the time and date of this? Where do I have to show up? Can you please just, I need a time and a date and a location. That's it. Texting is the way. Yeah, that's true, but uh, there are some musicians who can't quite hop on that train. All right, I understand. Gum up the works with these group emails. If one person doesn't hit reply all, it's chaos. Right, you it's know bedlam. That, right? I didn't see it, that yeah. part. What? Yeah. yeah. I get it. Absolute chaos. 
I don't really do the group text much, even though I, sometimes I do, but I like to copy and paste the message to individual texts. I find them people uh, have a hard time posting and ghosting. Yes, there you go. As you say. Well, well done. <clears throat> posting but, uh, and a ghosting. I'm happy to get your text, Greg. That was a night, you know, I get a lot of texts and emails and private messages that I, People don't understand how much I pace the floor for about an hour trying to avoid writing their emails. I, I've avoid their messages. I really, I take it to heart. Does that make them feel better? I can't, I can't get to them all. Can I just tell you that right now on the podcast? I feel, ter- I live my life in constant guilt about that. I cannot <laughs> get well, back to all the messages. Do you, I, I get back. To how do you deal I with can. that? I, you must get more than me. I, I get with what I can. You're out there. You open yourself up for this. You are out there, man. Well, this, this, this is a, uh... You know, I try to get back to people as best I can, but the, just this morning I was, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, there's two guys that have called me that I've, I haven't talked to. I haven't returned their call in about three months. And, and then you're like, oh shit, I should really, but then you're like, if I call them, it's going to be an hour. It's going to be an hour of talking. Can, can I just. Well, these days, uh, because of the pandemic too, what's happened is all these uh, uh, scheduled phone calls that you have are all long phone calls now. It's like, hey, let's catch up. Okay, so I've scheduled this I'm phone call. Text. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. Hope no, you're doing it's great. Exactly like this podcast. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I know what you mean, but but then there's those certain people that you're like, oh man, that was nice talking to them for an hour. You know, right? Exactly. And the phone calls are great because you can save yourself a week's worth of texting and emailing sometimes with a quick ten minute phone call. You know, so. What what is the message of all this? Just don't be annoying. That's exactly. I guess it is. Is that you know, we're just going to do the best we can? <laughs> yeah, but I feel so like the internet has made it like people think I'm an asshole for just sitting here in my apartment. Like I never was an asshole before, just sitting here in my apartment doing my thing, practicing. But now I have the ability for people to think I'm an asshole, just sitting here doing living my life because I can't. I didn't happen to see their message or I can't get back to them or I'm trying to cook something and learn something and run out the door to a gig. It's kind of weird. You know, that didn't exist back in the day. Well, one of the things that I came to grip with years ago, once I, once I had children and and I would talk to people, like I really feel bad because I go, once you have kids, you no longer have to have any excuses for anything. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Well, we're both from Wisconsin. We've mastered the art of, of getting out of conversations that, you, you learn that very quick uh, age in Wisconsin. And I think I learned that so often that now I'm, it's ingrained. It's like a knee jerk Pavlovian response to any human interaction is for me. Okay. How am I, how am I going to get out of this? I got to like figure out how I'm getting out of this one. <laughs> I think that's just where we're from. Could be, it could be by God. All those times in uh, Manitowoc and, uh, and Stevens point. Well, you know, I'm not complaining anymore because I think now about people asking me guitar questions online. Do you remember the guitar questions you used to get back then at a bar? Trapped with a guy that you couldn't get away from? Oh, yes. Yeah. But, you know, back then, I swear to God, the only conversation you ever had is, that's a cool guitar. That thing sounds great. Uh, cool, man. You sound great on that. And now it's like uh, you see you see the guy walk up the stage, you know, you can tell. You see the like house flipper type guy walk up to the stage. You know what questions are coming. Uh, the know it all. Like okay, it's not like oh that sounds great. How do you like those, what year is that? That's how do you like the nylon that? saddles that versus the the yeah the steel saddles. Well, no, it's always what year. Well, I like those. I like those kind of questions. Those are actually interesting questions to me. It's like what year is that? What is that? What oh you know? 
what is that? Is that an ES389? Uh, you know, they go up and just start talking and immediately get all the numbers wrong. <laughs> you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop. That's a 273, I think. Isn't that was a ES? Everything's a Les Paul. If it's gold, it's a Les Paul. If it's, you know, everybody calls them my 175 a Les Paul. But uh, you know how it goes. I do indeed. What are you going to do? You got to keep on keeping on. What are you going to do? You're going to go on the Greg Cock podcast and bitch about it. That's why I'm here. You're going to let your free flight fly. I agree to this. Yeah. Well, listen, my friend, it's been great talking. We should probably let you go. I got to get this over uh, to I think it's been established that I got nothing to do. (laughs) Well, you know, Wednesdays are kind of my, uh, I won't say they're my day off, but they're the only day I don't have to do an official uh, live stream. So I do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then ultimately How the Saturdays. hell do you do that? Where do you do these live streams? Right, on YouTube? Right, right, yeah, um, uh, we stream them on YouTube and Facebook on multiple yeah. channels. So for the huh. Wildwood ones, are on Wildwood's YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, their Facebook page, my Facebook page. And then the Fishman ones are on their Facebook page and my YouTube page and my Facebook page as well. So... Uh, and the, the ones on Monday, I kind of do like a, a acoustic thing with my son on drums. And then on the Friday, we do it with a full band with the bass player. And then my organ trio uh, usually used to do every month. Um, but we got a new record coming out. And I just, the, you know, I'm sure you know the same thing. It's like during the, when the pandemic first started, once it was realized that this is going to last a while, everyone started doing live streams. And if you put out the tip jar, the money was like really good. And it made it worthwhile for my buddy to come down from Minneapolis, and you know everyone was making. Yeah, really, you can't do that forever. Though. You can't I mean, do that forever. So we've t- and that's and I God bless him. I'm not complaining about that. God bless anybody ever tipped any anything for that. You know, uh, that's one reason why I don't know if I should keep my live streams going because it's a little awkward now. But I would love to do it. I did like the new skill that I didn't know I had to be able to shoot the shit and bullshit and play guitar and talk and respond to comments at the same time. That was kind of a fun new little mental exercise that I would like to keep doing. But um, anyway, I feel like I really did not talk about licks or, or, Harmony or jazz theory or enough to satisfy anybody. I I think we talked about a bunch of other stuff. People will find festive. Okay. (laughs) There was so much. Let's do it again. We talked about so much festive stuff. Let's let's do it again where we don't sound like the old guys in the, on the upper deck and the theater and the Muppet Show. <laughs> we talk about <laughs> we talk about licks and theory and technique because uh, I want to learn something from you. I don't know how to hold a pick. I've been trying for thirty five years or so. I would like to know how to do that. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm always throwing that thing around, flicking it, flicking picks, grabbing it, palming it, using it. I just use these little jobbers, the little Jim Dunlaps. I've used those my entire career. And just the other day, I picked up a full-size Fender Medium 351 shape, the thing that I never would consider playing. And I played a solo on it, and I felt like kind of comfortable with it. And now I just decided I'm just going to use regular old picks now. I did that as well. I, I, I use Jazz 3s forever. I fluctuate with that as well. Then you realize when you play a Fender Medium, there's a, there's a sound to them. There's a way that they flam... And there's a thing that's like, well, shit, that I, when you do these types of things, it's totally part of the sound. And then I get that. And then, I, and then I'll reach a certain technique where I'm playing that I've just kind of on autopilot realized, well, I can't do that. You need the little thing for the little chicken pick. And yeah, you know, you, you all it takes is one bad solo on one bad gig to just change your, li- change your life about that. But anyway, I'm on this like weird Fender Medium 
like thin too. I used to do the heavy little jazz threes, any, any variation of that. Uh, as a week, we're talking about a week ago right now. So this is a new thing. So we'll do this again and I can update you on the pick. All right, Sasuke, we'll do, we'll do phase two where we talk, where we talk about specific technique and harmony informatica. Yeah, if you'll have me, I would be happy to do that. Sounds fun. It's always fun talking to you. Likewise, my friend. Uh, I'm terrified to play with you, but I will talk to you. Oh, no, we'll, we'll play it, but at some point we'll get together and cause some trouble. I like it. Well, great to see you. Great to talk to you. And uh, hope to see you sooner than later. Okay, I'll uh, I'll try to get back to your emails pretty soon. <laughs> All right, my friend. Have a good one. All right. We'll see you see later. You, Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Chewing the Gristle. We certainly do appreciate it. On behalf of Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and our friends at Fishman Transducers, we say, don't be a stranger now. Keep on coming back. We're going to keep on giving her. <laughs>